When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Ireland's Thomas Barr's the Olympic bronze medalist in the 400 metres hurdles is a sentence I would have been able to say if he produced the same time in London four years ago. <laughs> he was only 21, 20, 20 years of age. He wasn't competing at that elite level. We can't go back in time. He we can't meddled, give him a medal. He would have medaled in Athens as well and in Beijing, apparently. Silver in Beijing, apparently. Yeah. Uh, with that time that he ran. This is the Irish Times Second Captain's Olympics podcast with Owen and Murph. Hi, Murph. Hello there, Owen. Uh, Sonia, <laughs> it was put to Sonia afterwards on TV that fourth is notoriously the worst position to finish in. Actually, it wasn't even put to her. She brought it up that yeah, this idea that fourth is the worst position as she finished fourth in, uh, in Barcelona. She said, well, it's better than fifth and sixth, <laughs> which I understand, but it's also... It is that bittersweet kind of feeling that you're so, and especially the way it wasn't as though he was miles away and he ran and he was just out of his depth. Yeah, he was just closing in and closing in. Four hundred five meters hurdles, and you think he probably would have finished third, but yeah, unfortunately so. the race finishes at four hundred meters, uh, which was you know an oversight from the Olympic Committee. I think <laughs> latest in Just a series of again. blunders. This is unbelievable. <laughs> latest in a series of Olympic blunders. Fourth has become, of course, a. You know, it's become as good as a bronze medal position for some Irish athletes We've in had recent a few, years. We've had a few, few finish fourth and have subsequently been upgraded to third. So I don't want to say anything might possibly be fallen. I'm not making allegations about anyone who finished in the top three. I'm just saying if anything happens in the future, at first, least he's first alternate. First alternate has been not a bad position to be in in recent years, is all we're saying on. Will we hear a little bit from Thomas Barr speaking to David Gillick after the race? Let's have a listen. Maybe it was a step too far this time around my first international senior final. I mean, fourth is probably the best and worst place to come outside of a medal, you know. But when you came out, you're setting your blocks, you look like an athlete that was enjoying the moment. Oh, it's really hard not to. That's what I said coming out of this championships, whether I came home with a medal or about out in the semis or whatever in between, that I was going to enjoy every moment of it. And uh, it, it's, it's once in a lifetime for a lot of, you know, very lucky people and maybe two or three in a lifetime for others so I'm definitely just making the best of it it's, it's an it's unreal experience Tom it's a phenomenal like, you know I emphasize a phenomenal achievement fourth but 49 47 97 it's insane it's insane I never thought I'd see the day especially not this year getting a 47 coming up on the clock yeah. it's unbelievable like that is literally how many, how many people have run 47 in the world probably the three or four of us in that final I think you're probably the, the one of the slowest non-medallers in the last four Olympic Games 
Typical, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, you've given us, I suppose, the media, the sporting headlines that really, really matter. You've made your nation so proud, but you've took a bit of time afterwards to walk around to the Irish fans. Yeah, like, first thing I noticed when I came out onto the track was the flags, the Irish flags, not just buried in the crowd, they were on on the line, on the, the side of the track, so I felt I had, like... I didn't know whether people would look down on it or look at it wrong for like going to do a mini a mini victory lap but I said you know I'm not going to be here again maybe ever maybe for another four years so I said I have to thank thank all the fans for coming out literally and just supporting me because I mean they take time out of their day to come down and shout me on and it gave me a, a massive boost Yeah Thomas Barr speaking to David Gillick after coming forth coming forth so close but I, I like the fact that he managed to God, he was impressive before and after yeah. the race, wasn't he? Yeah. Just he's just so cool and calm uh, yeah, in an Olympic it's... final. His temperament didn't. <laughs> he see. He seems like you know the way most people seem like a, just a different person after a race from before. He just seemed seemed to be pretty chilled out the entire time. Just Thomas being Thomas yeah. throughout the throughout the afternoon. Now, I think the this has just been one big long free shot dream event for Thomas Barr, uh, particularly on the back of having gone in with a lot of injuries and everything. Uh, the brilliant thing for him to try and face down now is that we latch onto these performances. We think big things for athletes who do this well at major events. And maybe he'll have to deal with expectation that he hasn't really had to deal with over the last couple of days in his next uh, major event at the World, say, in London next year. But he does kind of strike you as the kind of guy who would uh, relish that, who wouldn't be cowed by it in any way. And, man, just the way he's comported himself on the track and in interviews he's a pretty likeable dude yeah there were quite he really is there were quite a few uh, if you haven't caught up with the race yet he was in a position where obviously he'd had his injuries and he was coming into this and he was he'd broken his own smashed his own Irish record coming into this and did so again during the race there were quite a few big names missing for various reasons or certainly a few had either been knocked out in earlier rounds or weren't around in the case of one Russian athlete who wasn't obviously uh, allowed to compete. So it looked like it was opening up a bit and then Javier Coulson, the Puerto Rican athlete, fall started. Yeah. And you fall start these days. Well, this has been the case for a while. It used to be that you got a second bite of the cherry, but then I think they realised that it got very annoying when people were watching it on TV or in the stadium and could wait, might have to wait around for six or seven different starts. So you get eliminated after one fall start and that happened to poor, poor Javier, who was one of the favourites for the race. Uh, which opened it up just that little bit more. I did feel sorry for that Coulson character, I must say. Yeah. Did, and I mean, you know, it's, he's from Puerto Rico, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, it's not like they're, you know, laden down with gold medal chances. Um, safe to say that's what they're talking about in Puerto Rico right now. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> Thomas Barr's fourth? Yeah, no, I think I think, I think uh, Coulson's taken most of the, the, the headlines there. All right, I think Derval O'Rourke is just out of the RT television studio, so let's catch up with her. Derval, what excitement! Oh, it's unbelievable. To be honest, I'm actually stunned he ran sub-48 and didn't get a medal. It's an incredible performance. It's probably one of our greatest performances across any event ever in track and field, and certainly in sprints and hurdles. I think it's the greatest performance we've ever had by an Irish athlete. It's just outrageous. I think if you look at the men's 400 hurdles, most years you would medal with that, whether it's Olympics or World. So it's a lucky, unlucky sort of sub-48 seconds. But I think when he sits down tonight and he actually has a think about it I think he will be I actually think he'll be blown away by how amazing that was Well I hope so because it looked like he was he always seems to be quite an upbeat guy in interviews anyway but it looked like he was struggling to process exactly how he should feel when he was chatting to David Gillick immediately afterwards 
Yeah, I think it's funny when you're in the moment and you come somewhere like fourth and people are all going on about fourth being the worst position. For me, fourth is amazing. Like it's the world you're talking about, you know, it's not like a like a county final. It's the world. So it's it's amazing. And I think he will look back. I think he would have bitten your hand off for fourth at an Olympic Games in sub forty eight about I'd say any time ever in his whole life up until he just did it right now. I think he would have absolutely loved that performance. Is there anything that he could have done differently? He he mentioned uh, that he felt he might have stumbled slightly into a couple of the later hurdles. Did you notice that? Not particularly. It's funny with hurdles. Even when you run a big PB, you always think he could have done something better because there's that technical aspect to it. And you look back and you analyse and you have touchdown times between every hurdle and you always believe you could have done better. Like I remember when I won World Indoors saying to Sean, my coach, you know, I think I only ran it about 90%. And at the time he agreed with me, but he says now like he was only agreeing with me that it was absolutely the best I could have done. Now, I think in his career, he'll go better, certainly, because he's had such a disruptive season this year. But I think on this day in that Olympic final, there's absolutely nothing else he could have done. He just got extremely unlucky that there was three guys who were faster because that's very, very unusual. I, uh, I'm i sure a lot of sports people might have been watching Thomas Barr today and thinking, Jesus, I wish I could stay as relaxed when I'm uh, about to face the biggest moment in my career. It looked like he was going out for a little jog around Santry or, or, or Limerick or wherever. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I in no way could enjoy my big races that way. I was actually texting David Gillick last night saying, oh my God, I think we got the Olympics all wrong. We took it far too seriously <laughs> and uh, we should have had way more crack at it. We might have had better performances. I love how he approaches it. I think it's really refreshing. It's 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 just not easy to approach it with such a relaxed attitude because it's your life. You put everything into it. But I think the fact that he was injured made it that bit more relaxing because everything was bonus time for him. When he did his first race of the season in Santry a few weeks ago, I actually remember looking at him thinking, this guy is going to be really lucky to make the Olympics. This is an incredibly tight amount of time to turn it around. And I actually thought he was so unlucky that he got he got injured in Olympic here. But it turns out that the peak was absolutely perfect for him. Uh, can you explain why that was? Because every athlete goes through this every before every major championships. You've got your year uh, time to a T. You're doing certain blocks of training. You're having very few rest periods, I would say, and you're you're getting all that into your legs. He had none of that. Can you explain how he managed to achieve so much? I think he's incredibly talented. I think that's the the first part. You know, his sister Jessie Barr was in the studio with me, and she called called him a freak of nature. I think he's naturally extremely gifted. I think some people are just like that, and. Sometimes I think as athletes we can overtrain because we we have a tendency to flog ourselves. You feel like you can never do too much. And occasionally the body breaks down. It gives you a little bit of a chance to recover. There's no way he would have taken that time unless it was enforced. And he had to work on some different areas. He's got a weights coach down there in Limerick, um, Tom Tommy Commons. And Tommy Commons had to just strip everything back and just do a lot of really basic work with him. And maybe his body just needs it. Maybe he needs a bit of a break. I mean... I still don't think it's ideal. I think he could run probably 47 and a half seconds with a good clean run of the year. Oh, I like that. That sounds like it would would, uh, would place him in a, pre- in a pretty good spot for future champ- future major championships. I don't think there's any athlete who raced him today who could have had the preparation he had and run anywhere near what he ran. I actually think in terms of talent and ability, he was the best in the field there today. And if he can keep this momentum going and keep building on it, 
and hopefully not get injuries that would curtail him as much as the injury this year. I honestly think we're looking at our next world champion, possibly Olympic champion in Tokyo. But at the same time, it's athletics. It's not an easy sport. It's very hard. It's hard to have put season upon season. But I do think we're looking at a massive superstar. OK, well, that's uh, good to hear, Derva. We'll leave it on that positive note. Listen, thanks so much for chatting. Thanks for having me. Yes, 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 yes. I can see Simon beaming over there about the thoughts. Well, that was of a guarantee. Barr. She guaranteed us a mm. gold medal in the next Olympics. Yeah, and, and the World Championships. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> obviously going to happen. I'm you're, thinking more the Olympics. world. I mean, yeah, yeah. whatever. On, I mean, you know, the, as Thomas Barr said the himself. World. Yes, Thomas Barr said himself. God, this. He seemed shocked at how big a deal you're. Not shocked, but he was saying, "Look, the, whatever becoming fourth in the world or the worlds." Coming fourth in the Olympic, champ- Olympic Championships, uh, the Olympics, I should say, is just uh, incredible. You know, you, 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 obviously, we're all going to jump on the bandwagon again before that. Listen, if Thomas Barr wins a gold in the World Championships, I think we'll be... Um, we're just killing time yeah. for the next four years. Yeah, <laughs> We'll take a silver in the World Championships. Save your gold for, uh, for Tokyo in four years' time. Conor McGregor's fighting this weekend. don't know if anyone even knows this. He's got this I rematch. I certainly didn't know until kind of last night. This is what happened to me, right? So he's got this rematch with Nate Diaz. Uh, who obviously beat him, McGregor's only uh, defeat at that level. I was having a conversation last night about how little impact this fight had made on me. There was The hype hadn't pe- penetrated my Olympics bubble anyway, Murph. Right after that conversation, I stumbled upon this video of chaos at the pre-fight press conference. McGregor on the stage, Diaz skulking around the fringes with his entourage, everybody goading each other, throwing bottles and cans at each other. Mm which was fairly mental. Well, not mental. It was pretty lame, actually. But And predictable. And predictable, yeah. It was lame and predictable, Owen. I know we shouldn't be talking about it. I know they're just hyping it up. I, I, I know we're falling no, into no, the no, McGregor no. trap. These two guys they just straight up don't, don't like, like each other. other. I was amused by Conor McGregor's explanation of what happened, though. You were pretty eager to run into the fray. I mean, there was a lot of people on... on I just saw bottles being thrown. I was like, right, fuck that. You want to start throwing bottles? We'll throw, we'll throw cans. So... But it was all in self-defense. I was scared for my life. Were you really? No. <laughs> <laughs> for God's sake. It's just... A, oh, God. Classic American not oh. getting sarcasm clip there. Yeah. That's the reason I wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's move on. Let's I move don't, on. I don't have to say about that. World Federation of the Championship! Yeah, sorry. Uh, other than that, I've nothing else to talk about. Well, I've got a pretty special guest to move on to. I don't think I was so carried away with all the Thomas Barr stuff earlier on. I don't think I even flagged the fact that we've got an Olympic silver medalist on the line from Rio, Annalise Murphy. I'm sure you've heard this a million times already in the last 48 hours or so, but congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, I still can't really believe it. I don't really know when I'm going to suddenly wake up and go, <laughs> this has actually happened. Uh, at least I woke up this morning and I remembered it had happened yesterday I woke up and I thought I still had to go racing <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting any sleep? I mean are you, I, I presume you're exhausted after the, after coming down from the, the high or whatever but uh, how have you been sleeping? Uh, well we had a pretty big party on Tuesday night <laughs> so um, we were, um, my mum and dad were dancing until four in the morning so that was a pretty good night and uh, but then last night I was I was so exhausted I went to bed pretty early in a, compared to the other night I, I assume you're wearing the medal right now as you speak to us yeah I, I tried to sleep in it though and I nearly strangled myself then <laughs> so I was like I probably should just keep it on the pillow beside my head rather than sleep with it on <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah probably a practical idea listen we were everybody over here was so delighted for you and uh, I was, even just this morning I was looking up some of the congratulations you were getting I saw Katie Taylor managed to 
uh, and obviously she had such a tough week. She put she she congratulated, said you're amazing. No one deserves it more after the heartache of London. Congratulations. So it must be lovely to hear that from people, sports people of that caliber, that they're kind of welcome, welcoming you to the club, as it were. Oh yeah, it's like absolutely amazing. You, I just can't even believe it. Like you know, the amount of messages and like texts and emails, and then when I went back onto you know, my Twitter and Facebook, I just, I couldn't believe how many people are sending me messages of support and, you know, Katie, she's, you know, she's one of my sporting heroes and for her to send me that message was so kind of her and, like, I know she must be heartbroken. But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, 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 it's just incredible. I still can't really believe it. <laughs> I don't know if you've reflected much on the actual racing itself, Annalise, but... The medal race, the fact that you beat all your main competitors, is that the bit you're most proud of, especially given you had that day? Because the bad weather, well, the light wind and then the strong winds, it was delayed for that day. So you had a full day to think about the consequences of things going wrong or things going right. Yeah, exactly. I think it was actually nearly a blessing for me because I was so nervous on Sunday before the scheduled medal race day. It's just, I was all I could think was, oh, I really don't want to finish fourth again and uh, like I knew it was going to be a tough race because you know I was up against you know the four other girls that are some of the best in the world but um, then when we didn't end up going racing on Monday I think I just used up all of my like adrenaline reserves and I just wasn't even nervous anymore I woke up on Tuesday morning I was really calm and I was uh, having a briefing with my coach Rory and I said to him I was like Rory I'm just going to go out and try and sail my best it was like, you know, something, if I end up fourth or fifth, it's just, you know, it's going to be unfortunate, but I just, I'm going, you know, I'll have to just deal with it. I was like, I'm just going to go and see what I can do in the race and, you know, not be afraid of losing. So um, that was how I raced the race and it actually definitely was the best thing to do because I sailed a really good race. Could have been better, but it was, um, oh, I'm still just delighted with the silver. Yeah, because the the memory of your interview after coming fourth in London looms large in most people's memories still. Did it? So was London playing on your mind on that rest day or the enforced rest day before the medal race? Definitely, I I felt like a bit of a sense of deja vu. You know, I was in the same kind of position. I put myself in a better position in terms of there was a bigger points gap down to fourth, but I still was in a situation where I could end up finishing fourth or third, second or first. So um, I, I was thinking about it a lot. And then I, I was talking to my coach and he said, you've put yourself in this situation. You, you could be sitting here, you know, in 10th position, not with a chance of a medal. You have to look at this as, you know, what you've done this week has put you in a position to be out to fight for a medal it could be very different and once I kind of was able to sort of see that perspective of it I just I kind of I think I kind of knew I was going to be okay <laughs> We're always told that sports people like clarity in terms of their objectives and sailing as we know is a million little decisions when to tack which side of the beat to go what to do with the tide check the meteorology, all these little things, and then you had all those other little decisions about where you might position yourself, whether to just defend the bronze position uh, to keep covering the girl in fourth or to really attack, go for the gold medal. Um, was that one of the toughest days racing in that respect that you had to, all the normal decisions on top of the medal decisions to make? Um, 
definitely I, I started the race and I kind of had a bit of a game plan and um, I saw the the Belgian girl Evie she got a penalty just after the start so straight away I was I just thought okay you know, things are starting to work out for me already and then um, when I got to the first uh, the first mark I think I was second I knew that I was going to be okay because there was quite a big gap between everyone and sort of halfway through the race when I realised how far behind um, Mars and Anne-Marie were, I knew that I was going to get at least a silver medal. So it was like a mixture of like relief and uh, like absolute, like I was just, I was so happy. I think I just started grinning the whole way down the last downwind to the finish line because <laughs> that was like, I couldn't believe that I'd actually finally done it. <laughs> I gotta be honest, Annalisa. I felt more sorry, or you know, not, not sorry, but I felt more nervous for your family than for you. At least you're out there sailing. You're the one who can do something about it. People probably know the background at this stage that your mum was uh, an Olympian back in 1988, and your dad coached her. We saw interviews with your brother after the race, uh, saying that uh, he delayed his flights, managed to get later flights back from Rio so that he could be there for the final race. Uh, must have been tough for them watching on. I, I see your mum, Kathy, said earlier in the week that she was obviously nervous for you but trying not to convey those nerves what were those conversations like on the day the day that was supposed to be the medal race but uh, when it was delayed for 24 hours were they doing a successful job your family of not looking nervous um yeah they were all like they had they had this like secret plan they were having like every day they were watching the racing uh, in my apartment and then when i would come back from sailing you know, I didn't even realise they'd been there and they were then they were like decorating the whole apartment with Irish flags and then they'd hide them all again for when <laughs> I came home and they'd all be gone, you know, they'd yeah. be gone back to wherever they're staying and pretending that nothing had ever happened. And um mum mum said that she couldn't actually even watch the Mad Race. But uh, she didn't watch the Mad Race in London either. She just put her you know, basically closed her eyes for the entire thing. So um I think uh, like when I've been watching racing it is it's nerve-wracking watching other people's races. So, uh, yeah, I probably put them through a bit of stress this week. But uh, hopefully it's all been worth it now. I'd say it's particularly nerve-wracking for them because they understand what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? A lot of parents probably wouldn't have a clue, really. It, 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 their kid gets into a sport and they go, oh, right, sailing, that's that's interesting. But in your case, it's it's part of all your lives, so they have an idea what's going on out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, when I was when I went to my first Olympics in London having been able to talk to my mum and dad about what they experienced in Seoul was um was it was like it was brilliant because they told me, you know, in the Olympics things go wrong and it's the people who don't get upset about those things that are gonna come out ahead. And in London on my first day using my Olympic boat, it came off its uh, trolley and it slipped down the concrete slipway. <laughs> So the whole bottom of it got completely scratched. And I just remember sitting there on the ground, just looking at it, crying, going, I, I, thought, I thought that that was it, you know, that my Olympics were over and that I just destroyed my boat. But anyway, I then, I got the boat back onto my trailer and one of the Norwegian guys, he said, it's okay, Annelise, they'll be able to fix it. It'll be okay. And then I just thought back, I was like, this is, I was like, this is what mum and dad said. They said, you know, things that never normally happen, happen at the Olympics. And you just, you 
and to let it affect you. So I just, in my head, I'm like, it's going to be okay. The boat's going to be fine. You know, this is, it's going to be, and so having that kind of, you know, that kind of knowledge was, um, you know, I think if they hadn't told me that, I probably would have gone into a complete meltdown and been convinced that my boat was slower <laughs> than everyone else's. And so, how, yeah, how, but, uh, I ended up then going and winning the next four races, so it obviously uh, didn't make any difference. Yeah. <laughs> and how different a sailor and how different a person are you since London? Because the sailing side of things, we knew you were the very best in the world in strong winds and London suited you. Rio arguably suited you less. And yet you've become this more all-round sailor, all-round athlete. Every aspect of your performance now you've improved on. So you've kind of set yourself up for the rest of your sailing life by being forced to deal with Rio's uh, tricky conditions. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I came here three years ago to to see what the conditions were going to be like and I realised I was going to need to learn how to become better in light winds although it's then been a pretty hard road to, to improve in light winds and at the Olympic test event last year here I came last and I think I was I don't really know how I came last like I, I, whatever I'd do I'd come last in all the races it became a little bit of a joke by the end of the week <laughs> because boys would be like so how did the day go today and I'd go, I came last again guys I, like, I don't know how I did it so the kind of the running joke was this week when every day I'd come in from sailing and I'd go oh guys I didn't come last today so <laughs> you know that's an improvement <laughs> but um, yeah I knew that that was you know last year 12 months ago I made a plan with Rory my coach and Gary Keegan from the Institute of Sport and we called it a sort of optimum state that I needed to be, you know, ready for Rio and how I was going to do that. It was a mixture of getting into the right mindset and also I had to go on a diet, which um, I've basically been eating lettuce for the last five months. So I was uh, I enjoyed having like, some ice cream and cake when I finished the other day. <laughs> oh, yeah, well deserved. Listen, Annalise, we've kept you for ages. I'm sure you've got plans. As you, as you said, you've been in Rio loads, but I don't even know. Have you got a chance to do any of the touristy stuff? Can you do that in the next couple of days? Yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and go and watch some of the other events. Um, I don't know if I'll make it to Thomas Barr's final, but that's gonna be pretty cool. So I'll definitely try and watch that on TV. And then um, Matt and Ryan, um, my two teammates in the 49er, they're they've got their medal race on today as well. Yeah. So I'm gonna be there cheering them on on the beach. And yeah, then I'll probably actually go and try and see a few things in Rio because. Even though I have, this is my tenth time to Rio. I haven't ever actually really done any touristy things <laughs> here, so I might try and catch up on all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well deserved. Well, listen, it's an amazing time for you, Annalise. So enjoy the next uh, whatever amount of time it takes for you to to come down off this high. Congratulations! Thanks a million for talking to us. Okay, thank you. See you later. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Richie Sadler's here, Richie, how are you? How are you, lads? How are you, lads? Richie, how are you, lads? How are you doing this week? I'm marvellous. Look at the joy on my face. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? <laughs> no, really. You know, what happened? When John was young, everyone in the city knew about it, but no one had seen it. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's persuaded of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Absolutely brilliant stuff there from Annalise. I love the way she uh, explains, in a matter-of-fact enough way, how she got psychologically prepared for this after what had happened 
in London. I'd say we talked about Thomas Barr earlier on and how much yeah. she seemed to be enjoying it. Annalise obviously the same. She she obviously she decided she was going to enjoy it. She decided she wasn't going to uh, freeze. But like to say you okay, I'm deciding this is going to be the case is one thing to actually execute it as you say, Simon, without a million decisions to make out there is another. Yeah, I found it interesting that she was less nervous the day after being forced to wait on the race. It's as almost if the gods took over and, and you know decided for her, said, "Look, we'll 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 let you you use up all your nervous energy in this day while you're waiting. It'll all be gone. You'll be relaxed for the main day." Yeah, interesting juxtaposition of uh, questioning styles there. On few, I, I mean, it, this is kind of a little inside baseball, as our American cousins would say. But <laughs> I mean, I just I just found it very interesting that Simon was you know asking her about her sport, <laughs> right? And you were more of a gut man. You know, how does it feel? Did you get a nice sleep last yeah, night? Yeah, you know. That kind of stuff. Are you wearing the medal right now? <laughs> I mean... I never claimed to be a sailing expert, Murph. No, you, you haven't done. And uh, you would not be able to back up such a claim. Uh, S- sailing questions are like the cicada. You know that insect that comes out every 17 years? Sailing questions on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> another four years before you get another one in. All right, the Panicky Podcast, if you missed that yesterday, we had a load of reaction to uh, his arrest yesterday. He's got a ticket to hide, it was initially called. OCI know what you did last summer was a probably better suggestion that came in after the fact. Too late. Call it what you will. Acting president of the OCI, Willie O'Brien, addressed reporters last night, though, outside the hospital where Pat Hickey was taken after being arrested. Pat has been admitted to hospital. His medical condition has been checked. He's stable at the moment, and it will be monitored over the next 24 hours. So there'll be nothing, nothing happening here over the next 24 hours. Okay? What does he say about the allegations against him? He's make no comments because, as you can uh, understand, he's having all sorts of tests, you know, inside. So he, he's made no comment to us about the allegations. Uh, we have very little restricted access to him, but uh, that's all I can tell you for it, for the present. And, and from your point of view, you take over the position at this point. I take over the position of president of the OCI in the interim period while this investigation is ongoing. And what does the OCI say about these allegations? You must have comments, a position on on what's going on at the moment. We can't make any comment on on it at the moment while the the legal case is going on here. You must be at least disappointed in what's happened. We will defend ourselves to the hill. That's all I can say. And and defend Mr Hickey as well? Exactly, yes. So I take it you're claiming then he is innocent of these, of these times. I'm, I'm making no comment at the moment. Okay. Willie O'Brien there, who is standing in for Pat Hickey and has been due to take over from Pat Hickey anyway as the president of the OCI. Not exactly laying down a marker, mm. I wouldn't say. Not a huge amount of information. Uh, I think we all got a glimpse at what the O'Brien era will look like. <laughs> uh, the OCI on. I would say the O'Brien era, my judgment is... You know, it remains to be. Yeah, it, it, there's a jury. The still jury out. Is the jury out, is still out on the O'Brien era, the the oncoming O'Brien era. Pat, Pat Hickey was speaking at the start of the Olympics about who was going to take over, and he says, "Will he takes over until the next general meeting, which could be a year away? Then he has to stand for election." Our understanding of it is that Willie will do a stint up until Tokyo, and then the favourite at the moment to take over from him is John Delaney. I just love the way it is this succession plan is mm. all in place. Now, Pat Hickey does say that there are elections to take place. This can't. You don't just. <laughs> You don't just appoint people. 
but uh, sounds like there seems the to be elections are going to take place and here are the results of the elections that are going to take place probable in a number results. of years time the proper results if you want to take over from Hickey by the way it's best to go along with Pat Hickey I'm sure Willie has learned this over the years the coups don't generally work I'm going to go back to that Kim Bielenberg piece from the Sunday Indo that I mentioned yesterday back in 2001 there was a significant challenge to Hickey when Richard Burroughs the former head of Pernod Ricard and a leading light in sailing stood against him some of Ireland's most famous Olympians Eamon Coughlin Michael Carruth Mick Dowling came out and urged support for Burroughs but Hickey carefully gathered his votes where it mattered rather than through the media there was frantic speculation that he was about to be toppled but in the end Burroughs was surprised and the votes came in and Hickey won with a landslide victory 27-10 I told Richard this is a quote from Hickey I told Richard because I like Richard you're being used forget about it you've got no chance (laughs) oh we've talked a lot about Pat Hickey Murph some big developments in the other big Brazilian police investigation Operation Ryan Lochte uh, it, it will not come as a major surprise to those of you who've been following the Pat Hickey story, but we're getting quite a lot of information <laughs> from the Brazilian police. Uh, the latest is that Ryan Lochte uh, has apparently fabricated that entire story about uh, him getting held up uh, at gunpoint in Rio de Janeiro. Um, and the reports we're hearing from Brazil are suggesting, uh, well, actually, the Brazilian news site O Global has quoted the owner of a gas station as saying this, the swimmers, that's Ryan Lochte and uh, three others, uh, vandalised the station after urinating on the station's wall. Workers at the station asked the swimmers to use the restroom, but instead one of them tore down an advertising sign. It was pure vandalism. Now, uh, you know, Ryan Lochte, he's kind of in a bit of bother here, and I don't know whether he's fully cognizant of the amount of bother that he's in, but... Um, <laughs> ABC television citing Brazilian police reported that a video shows one of the swimmers breaking down the door of the Rio gas station and fighting with security guards uh, there had been word that uh, they'd passed through some scanners going into the Olympic Village and that all of the stuff that they had said had been robbed was there and they were yeah, laughing and all, joking apparently which it was did not look like that, yeah. this is at 6 or 7am in the morning so it didn't, yeah. didn't look like people were traumatized but it, I don't think Ryan Lochte's too worried he's back in the States a couple of the other boys were hauled off the plane weren't they yes yeah, so, because Lochte has already returned to the US but uh, <laughs> uh, later that day the US Olympics Committee said Brazilian police detained two of the other swimmers Conger and Bents as they were about to board a plane bound for Houston uh, <laughs> so I mean you know, the Fegan is still in Brazil, should make a public statement at some stage today, apparently, according to the uh, to USOC. So this is another rapidly developing story. And uh, I think that our good friends in the Brazilian police will keep us up to date on every development as it comes in. Owen. I'm sure they certainly will. Yeah, even if we don't want any news. It no, seems like they're ready to give us some. Yeah, forget about that stuff we said earlier. Here's some more uh, stuff. You know, we'll just keep, we'll just keep uh, giving it to you as we get it. Tonight, 10.30pm, Rio time. More Importantly, 2.30 a.m. Irish time is the 200 metres final. Usain Bolt, well, as I said, goes, uh, tell you who he goes against, but it's more interesting who he doesn't go against. Gatlin gone, Johan Blake gone. He will be up against Andre de Grasse, but he toyed with him. I don't know if you saw the semi-final. He, I did indeed. He literally, he was laughing at his tiny little opponent as he held him off by just the bare minimum. He's just looking at it going, this is fun. I'm getting a bit of a race here. I'll still finish in decent time, you know, and we'll set ourselves up for the final. But he must be very annoying to run against Usain Bolt. We'll see what happens in the, uh, in the final tonight. Murph, I see you've been playing around with a new online toy today. You're giggling away like there's no, no tomorrow. Oh, well, I don't, have you tried this? Well, of course I have, yeah. Your Olympic body match on the BBC website. So you enter in your, your details, mm-hmm. your deets, uh, uh, and your date of birth. <laughs> Don't forget your date of birth, Owen. I, was, I, was, I had kind of high hopes, you know, <laughs> that, I, that it would be. But no, it's just 
older dudes, older gentlemen. The age appears to have been the major defining factor in who I eventually got. Uh, as it was, they couldn't find anyone even close to my age, but they are like 28, which is in itself quite depressing. But uh, my top three athlete matches are match one, Alexander Sukurakov, swimming, a swimmer from Russia, which is pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. Match happy, two, Connor Hart, the hockey player from Ireland. Ah. Which is pretty good. This is our friend who got slashed across the uh, side. In it's the, the no-nonsense defender as opposed to the uh, brick wall goalkeeper. Yep. But either, either way, that's fine. And then there's Omar Asar from Egypt, who's a table tennis player. Now, I don't know that the physical attributes that God gifted unto me and also unto Omar be are necessarily no. all that useful for table tennis. But nevertheless, I'm, uh, but, I mean, I, I'm got to be happy with that. Uh, how about you? Who's I don't know how you got the table tennis. This is meant to be... Uh, over 10,500 athletes out of 11,000. Well, in fairness, he's six foot five and he's 14 stone, nine pounds. There's not enough. The table tennis player? Yeah. What? Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't know where, what, what these, you know, the, what sporting program took one look at this guy and said, yeah. table tennis. I'll tell that's you who I got. for this guy. I got a judoka. A judoka, okay. From Mongolia, whose name is unpronounceable, but I'll try Ugan Batar Otgon Batar. Honestly, I'll show you the spelling here. Have no. I. I think you've done pretty well there, actually. Well there, yeah. yeah. Andrew Thomas Bisek, Wrestling USA. They both were knocked out early. I always go one a step wrestler. So I wanted to see, were any of these guys successful? A sailor from Croatia, Tonchi Stepanovic. Apparently, he's got to be somewhere around 5 foot 10 as well. Yeah. Uh, so Stepanovic, I was glad to hear, has won Croatia's first ever sailing Olympic medal. Ah. An impressive performance over the last 10 days. So I'm clinched silver in Tuesday in the men's laser medal race. So... Nothing maybe we, maybe we'll get Tunji on next week. You've got you've got him. the right stuff when it comes to success in the sailing field. Our football podcast is out today. What do we talk about in that? Ah, it's it seems like an awful long time. Seems ago. like an awful long time ago. We spoke to Gabriele Marcotti about Joe Hart getting dropped from oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Manchester City and why this is for some reason the greatest scandal ever to befall English sport. And we talked about Spurs and tried to work out how so many people want to work for them, even though they don't pay very much compared to a lot of their rivals. Yeah. Apparently, so there was a lot of good stuff in that. Thanks, Murph. Thank you. You on. Thanks Thank you, much. Simon. Thanks, Simon. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. It's gone, is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.